We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scorer's table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Wednesday, March 11th. Nick Whalen back with Alex Perutha. Alex, we're going to do two episodes today. We're going to record them back to back. I'm I'm out for the rest of the week. I'll be back on Monday. Um, so in lieu of you know doing another episode tomorrow, um, we'll just record two right away. We'll split it into two. Uh, we'll post them as two separate episodes in the feed. Uh, should be pretty easy to find uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, but part one here, I, I think we need to focus on news that I think has been brewing for a while at least the last few days and then now we're finally getting confirmation uh, from Shams Terania just a few minutes before we sat down to record um, and it'll be interesting I think to see kind of how far this spreads if there's a little bit of a domino effect um, you know as teams continue to prepare for for the coronavirus and you know kind of now take action we have the Warriors who uh, haven't officially uh, declared anything yet but when it gets to this point that someone uh, of Shams you know, Caliber is reporting this and he's reporting that um, the Warriors are at least preparing to 
play games without any fans. Um, you know, obviously that that area of the country has been more affected than others. But you know, unless this kind of goes the other way in terms of how it's been trending. Um, I don't think that the Warriors will be the only team to to end up doing something like this. So it seems like, you know, it's, it's, as soon as Thursday night against Brooklyn, um, and actually the Warriors have now just confirmed this like a minute ago, no fans for Nets at Warriors on Thursday night. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, not surprising at this point because uh, an hour ago when we're recording this, that we had the World Health, Health Organization declare coronavirus a pandemic. So like, what I mean, whatever you know, I mean, it hasn't affected the United States as much as other countries, but yeah. has it I, affected us? Has, <laughs> you got those cheap plane <laughs> tickets to Miami? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I have been really worried about that. Though I don't, I don't think domestic, <laughs> domestic travel has not been really affected from what I've seen. I mean, I, I think it's more like international flights are are getting canceled and whatnot. But yeah, I've been checking my inbox like once every ten minutes, just hoping that I don't see a your trip has been canceled uh, email. But uh, so I'm looking at the release that the Warriors issued. This is from from the official team slash kind of the Chase Center, uh, which, of course, they own. Uh, it says, quote, in addition, referring to Thursday's game, in addition, all events through March 21st will be canceled or postponed at this time. Fans with tickets to Thursday and Saturday night's games will receive a refund in the amount paid. Uh, and this also includes, you know, events like concerts or whatever else is going on at the Chase Center. So, I mean, more news will probably keep keep coming as we record, and we'll, we'll of course keep you updated. But it now sounds like there's not only the the certainty that they'll play at least one game without fans, but now that games could end up being postponed. Which, I mean, if you're the Warriors specifically, not that big of a deal based on where the season has gone. But I mean, this could just be complete chaos for the NBA, especially as you know we near basically an exact month until the playoffs begin. Yeah, I mean. I remember, like, what was it? I mean, was, was it less than a week ago that LeBron said that he wasn't going to play games if there were no fans? I, I mean, think it was right after the Bucks win, wasn't it? We've gone from that to, like, having him basically having to walk back that statement because I, I don't mm-hmm. want to come in with any, like, hot coronavirus takes, but it is going to be really weird to have games played with no fans, obviously, from... I don't even... I can't even imagine the atmosphere from, like, watching on TV. You know, there's going to be no, like, uh, no DJ doing the, you know... I think I don't know. Will there be? Because they're allowing the like TV personnel and you know essential team personnel. They call it will right. be there. I think it's more about because I think the the city of San Francisco has like a temporary ordinance or whatever the term is that you can't have a gathering of more than a thousand right. people. So like as long as you're under a thousand, people can be in there. I, I would assume yeah, the DJ is probably not making it, but like <laughs> it's not like it'll be just the players and coaches. You know, like you'll have right. people, you'll have the official scorers and refs, obviously, mm-hmm. and um, you know there will be people there, but. I cannot wait to watch this game or try to watch it tomorrow night just yeah. to see. I've never seen anything like this. You know, you hear about this happening in like international soccer games when fans get banned for racism or you know, there have <laughs> been events like this. Like it never actually gets to this point. You know, we kind of joke about this in the office last week and here we are. I mean, we, we, who knows how long this could go on? It's going to be just a really, really strange environment. Like if you're Warriors game ops, like do you pump in some sort of crowd noise? Do you still play you know the incessant music the like dun dun that's playing as guys are yeah. bringing the ball up like or like, is it just going to be sicko mode instrumental yeah right I mean, exactly <laughs> i don't know you have to do something it's going to be just really really strange uh yeah and yeah i don't know what you do with like the encore mics you know because you if you the shoe those, squeaking is going to be the shoe squeaking will be actually probably cool but you i'm worried about know. you know being able to hear everything the players are saying as far as from like a you can't air that on television yeah um perspective and i don't i don't i guess for now 
it seems like broadcasters will still be there. I don't think we're, yeah. not, we're not currently in a situation where though where broadcasters have been determined like quote unquote non essential personnel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, <laughs> there's a certain novelty factor I think, especially with these first few games that will cause people to tune in, right? Like, oh yeah, if you were a new, if you were like, eh, I don't know, if I don't really feel like watching Warriors Nets on Thursday, I like am, now I would definitely want to watch just to see how it is. Game. Like, yeah. there's a chance that five minutes in, you're like, wow, this just this is really strange. There's no noise. I don't, I don't like this. I hope the game ends in a buzzer beater, and then it's just like a silent, like crazy. You know, Steph pulls up from like forty-five feet and drains it, and there's just like no fanfare whatsoever. Um, but yeah, it's going to be really strange. And I, I think, I mean, this season, this has been a, a kind of an up and down season, I guess, for the league itself. You know, it it seems like you've had a lot of stars injured. You know, you've had I wouldn't say overwhelming negative storylines, but just a lot of storylines about rest early on, and then TV ratings and. Um, it's just been overall, I think, a really memorable season. I think kind of the All-Star game maybe turned that around because that, that brought a ton of not only just publicity in general, but positive publicity with how that went. Now you have the LeBron MVP chase, you know, which we'll get to in a second, kind of heating up. And now this, I mean, I wouldn't say that this is exactly a positive news item for the NBA, but no, it's at least been a really unique season so far. I mean, this is one that I think whoever ends up winning the title this year, you know, it'll almost kind of be like the lockout year where it's like, oh yeah, that was the coronavirus year. Because for all we know, this could stretch on for a few more weeks. Who knows if it'll have a playoff impact, but this is something that I think is going to mark this season and we'll remember going forward. Yeah, you're you're right about this being kind of a, a weird... I mean, we're going to see the Spurs probably not make the playoffs. Zion didn't start playing until, you know, way late in the season. Yeah, uh, Morant ended up being really good. Like, you can go up and down almost every team's... You can, go, you can go up and down every team, and there's some sort of storyline that is shocking, like Toronto being good, Boston being this good, yeah. Philly being bad. Like It is a very unexpected season. Almost nothing went, I think, as we thought it might, except maybe, you know, like MVP race potentially. But Yeah, which I, I think is fairly rare in the NBA compared to the other sports, at least. You know, you, you very rarely have a team in the NBA that's expected to finish first or second in the conference that just like doesn't make the playoffs you know like in the nfl that that will happen every now and then you know and and the nba barring a superstar injury you know basically like what happened to golden state you never have those drastic swings and you know i would say for the most part people thought milwaukee would probably win the east people thought the lakers and the clippers would be the top two in the west so maybe maybe not all that much has changed but i think you know you've had teams like okc has been significantly better i mean they outpaced i think they beat their over under by the all-star break in terms of wins houston has basically been two different teams already through the course of this season philly's kind of been the same way um you know miami got off of that hot start so it is I mean, we're not trying to carry water for the league necessarily but it is kind of puzzling you know that ratings are down when i, I get that you have a group of teams maybe kind of in the middle bottom of the east that are you know wizards bulls hornets knicks that have been you know basically what we expected but uh like you said i mean every team even though some of them might be negative every team at least has storylines this year right i mean i've I've seen some people argue that like a lot of the stars are now you know collected into the markets that were already what like bringing up the ratings anyway like lebron going from cleveland to la how many more people are watching lakers games now because lebron was there and not that like, many right right and you know, people are now not watching Cleveland games, and same with Golden State. You know, Golden State's a huge market that was drawing a ton of eyes, and now everyone's hurt, and, mm-hmm. and you have Kawhi on the Clippers now, and uh, everything like that. So I think that's part of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't really like to harp on the ratings thing. No, I, I don't, I don't think I, I think that's more of a business concern that doesn't necessarily touch our coverage of the right. league all that much. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, still a point that, that I wanted to make. Other news item, um, we still don't know about Joel Embiid for tonight. Decent chance, it sounds like, that he's back uh, for Philadelphia. But uh, Ben Simmons now will be reevaluated in three weeks, which rules him out now for the full month of March. And I mean, best, best, best case scenario is I guess he's ready for like the first game in April. But I mean, the way this is going um, doesn't really seem all that realistic. It doesn't seem like he's really gotten back to any kind of on-court activities, things like that, that you typically see um, in, in these type of situations. And I think if you're Philly now, it's just you know, please be back for the start of the playoffs, which is, like I said, about a month from now. And I, I just don't really know how realistic that is at this point. Yeah, I, um, it, it, there haven't been a lot of encouraging, like nobody's talked about the Ben Simmons injury in an encouraging way. I mean, people think it's going to be a long-term thing. And obviously it is at this point, he just got ruled out for three more weeks, but mm-hmm. yeah, it is. I mean, you know, people are already worried about their playoff chances when everyone is healthy and now Simmons being out complicates things even more i mean their depth was an issue and it still is an issue um although shake milton for most improved player uh obviously in play um yeah no um but yeah i i just if if they don't have ben simmons um they are very serious danger of losing in the first round as of right now they'd be i think matched up against miami if i'm reading this correctly um and if there's no ben simmons and they're going up against a fully healthy Miami Heat. Would not surprise me at all if they if the Heat have home court. I I don't know if the Heat would be favored to win that series. I think, I think it'd be they, very it, close. I think a lot of it will honestly. It's kind of a cop out answer. A lot of it will depend on what happens the next month. Right. You know, if if Philly kind of is just a five hundred ish team with no Simmons, and Embiid is maybe in and out of the lineup. You know, then I, I think. I think Miami will definitely go in as like the people's favorite. You know, I don't know what the actual line would be. Um, I, I mean, as of right now, and this this will change night to night. I mean, Philly and, and Indiana are separate separated by half game. But as of right now, it would be Philly Boston, and then you'd have Miami Indiana as the four five. Um, either way, though, I think it's kind of the same deal for Philly. Like, I think you'd really prefer to avoid Toronto Boston Miami. You know, if you could if you could end up playing Indiana, I think that's probably the matchup. Yeah, I, I mean, Indiana's a good team, but I, I think I would feel better about playing Indiana without Simmons or with a, a hobbled Simmons than I would playing those other teams. Um, well, Brogdon, right? Uh, Brogdon. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon's kind of an I mean different injury, but kind of the same situation with him where he's had four or five now kind of separate little injuries. And, you know, it looks like he could kind of be out through the end of March as well. Is this basically exactly what the Bucks wanted to avoid, you know, when they were when they were maybe not willing to let him walk, but willing to let him walk at that price? That, well, the quad he hurts the same one he tore when he was right. on the Bucks, And he had had foot issues before. So, you know, you never, like as a fan of a team or as an organization or whatever, you never want to be like, well, we, you know, like <laughs> we told you so, he's hurt, ha ha um but i think they apparently had a very good read on the situation because brogdon's injured and the bucks have scraped by without him now when it comes to the playoffs it might be a different story mm-hmm. like it may become obvious in the eastern conference finals that the bucks need someone like brogdon um it really all just kind of hinges on eric Bledsoe, um as scary as that continues to be but um yeah i think i think at this point bucks are relatively happy not to have signed brogdon to that contract yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, you could make the argument that in Milwaukee, maybe he's not playing the same workload, and then he wouldn't have the same strain, I and mean, you could go down that that rabbit hole if you really, really wanted to. But, 
I think these are kind of the exact fears, whether it's that injury in particular, re-aggravating it, or just the minor nicks that he's had all season, where I think you could argue, like player to player, you'd rather have Malcolm Brogdon, but, you know, and obviously Eric Bledsoe has his own question marks, but would you rather have 75 games of Eric Bledsoe or 58 games of Malcolm Brogdon? You know, when you start, when you start breaking it down like that, you know, maybe the argument is Eric Bledsoe, um, you know, is ultimately the more valuable player. So I'm looking at, I'm trying to track just kind of Woj tweets and Mark Stein tweets as we, sure. you know, as we record here. I, I haven't seen anything to suggest this is a real possibility, but people are talking about postponing the NBA season or at least just kind of taking a break and maybe picking it back up once all this calms down. Don't love that idea. Um, but obviously it's kind of, it's kind of out of the league's hands to some degree. Um, and then somebody threw this out there and th- I mean, this is a million percent speculation, but they're like, if that happens, what about a team like the Nets? Like, let's say the the NBA the NBA pauses AD. the NBA pauses for two months and you know finishes the regular season in May, starts the playoffs in like mid June. All is KD back for the for the playoffs if if the playoffs were to begin in like mid July? I realize this is a ridiculous conversation, but I, I kind of like that notion. KD takes out Toronto in the first round yeah. of the. <laughs> can you imagine the seven seed Nets? I mean, would would anything stop the Nets? I mean, this is completely unprecedented. I. I I would imagine he would be eligible to play, right? Yeah, why not? Um, Great news for for Portland. <laughs> for, yeah, right. Nurkic fully healthy. It's like the, the Lakers are now kicking themselves for letting Demarcus Cousins go. <laughs> Someone signs Demarcus Cousins, and yeah, I mean, I, those are the type of things though that, like, if it ever came to that, I mean, you'd have these just crazy considerations that that you never had to to take into account. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if the Warriors are kind of setting the tone with this and i think if they're willing to to play multiple games and potentially postpone multiple games it's inherently going to force other teams to to be affected i mean they're not playing against themselves like if they if they postpone a game against the lakers you know in a couple weeks then all of a sudden that becomes a makeup game and you're just you're just going to have I mean, we've seen how, how problematic it is when like when like the kobe uh, lakers clippers game was canceled for example like how problematic that yeah. was from a logistical standpoint i mean if you have to do that for multiple games spanning multiple teams you know with concerts and whatnot coming to these arenas i mean it could end up being just a, a complete disaster like i wouldn't be shocked if this keeps escalating at the, at the rate that it is right now if they maybe just cut short the regular season you know and mm. once you know once every team has played like 70 games or some round number like that you know you just go from there and just kind of try to you do to minimize the, the time that you have fans of the arena. I don't know. You can't play playoff games without fans, right? Like it can't come to that. I it might. Um, I don't know. As far as I understand the the situation with the um, with the Warriors is like a directive by the city of San Francisco rather right. than the NBA. Um, I don't think it's ultimately up to the NBA. You know, that's the thing. Like if there's a if there's like a basically a temporary law that says you can't have a gathering of right. a thousand people, the NBA can't be like we're just going to ignore that. No, I'm saying like, yeah, the uh, I think it's one of those things that I think would be a slow crawl city by city by governments, essentially, until the NBA decided like, okay, half the half the teams in the league are can't play at their home arena with fans or Mm -hmm. have to play in a different city that, you know, whatever, because I saw that we were watching Dan Levitard this morning and that was something that got brought up, whether teams could play in different cities, uh, you know. I just think you're, that kind of just creates a new problem, right? You know, like then whatever events were happening at that city's arena become right. Bucks postponed. are playing in Oshkosh. Like, yeah. I, well, I did kind of think about that. So instead of playing with no fans in a eighteen thousand seat arena, 
what if you played these games at like a local high school with like 800 fans? That's allowed. That would be like the lockout year where like where guys were just playing those pickup. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Like just make NBA games like that type of thing. As long as you have, as long as you're under a thousand people, you're good to go. That I can't. I can't even explain how crazy that would be. Like a like a yeah like a high school arena with right LeBron. Yeah, I mean there are a number of reasons they would never do that, starting with like the size of the court and all that. But (laughs) um, yeah, we could dream. March Madness is that time of year when your prediction skills are put to the test in your office, friends, or family pool. But with nine quintillion, nine quintillion possible variations, it can be hard even for machines to get the perfect bracket right. Smart Bracket is an app that's been consistently rated by Forbes as the best way to pick your NCAA bracket. Using the latest decision intelligence technology, all you do is answer a few questions on who you think will win and what preferences you have and a fully personalized bracket is made specifically for you. Don't waste your time. Dominate your NCAA March Madness bracket by going to smartbracket.io. Again, that's smartbracket.io and downloading the app today. So I, I got some terrifying news here. The Tame Impala concert at the Chase Center for this Friday has been canceled, um, as well Dang. as the Post Malone concert next Thursday. I so saw E3 was canceled. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. I uh this is this is going back to the Ben Simmons thing. Do, do you does it surprise you and cuz I'm looking at his on off court stuff right now. Over the past 2 years the 76ers are a slight negative. Uh like his his the differential when he's on the court versus off the court. Last year was minus half a point per 100 possessions. This year it's minus 0. 0.2. Do you I mean do you think there's any noise in that cuz that seems weird to me. Like, I'm not saying, saying they'll bad? be able to survive. Yeah, I'm not saying they'll necessarily be able to survive without him. But I think the on-off court numbers suggest yeah. that Embiid has been more important to their team. I think at the end of the day, most people would like that passes the eye test, right? Like, I mean, most of the criticism has been lobbed at them when they're on the court together. Yeah. And you know, Simmons had some really huge games when Embiid was hurt before the All Star break, um, and you know where he really carried them. But I, I think consistently, if you ask like philly fans or people who watch the sixers to choose between those guys you know kind of contracts out the window i think it would be Embiid, right like even with some of the health concerns that he presents like peak Embiid is more impactful on both ends than than peak simmons right um, but I, I am still surprised by that number i mean they've had a lot of injuries uh, elsewhere on the roster so who maybe there is a little bit of noise there but um especially with how good he's been on defense that is a little surprising yeah i agree um Okay, so I just want to get your take quickly on on the quote unquote MVP debate. Um, the The odds have shifted over the weekend. They actually pulled MVP odds briefly on on both the sports books that I checked on DraftKings and FanDuel after Sunday's Lakers Clippers game. So that, I mean, that was two times in three nights that LeBron, you know, really kind of stated his case, um, and I think the media certainly picked it up, uh, kind of beginning the previous weekend, um, and then it, you know. Beating, beating Giannis in the Bucks and then Kawhi in the Clippers and in back-to-back games kind of kicked it into overdrive. But I, I believe going into this past weekend, it was you know Giannis was like minus two thousand and LeBron was right. plus a thousand, yeah. and you know now we're at Giannis minus six seventy, which is still huge, and and LeBron plus three fifty. I think what's almost more interesting is the separation is now clear between those two and the rest of the field, whereas 
you know, basically for the entire season, it was Giannis at number one, and then like LeBron, Doncic, and Harden were virtually even. They were kind of trading week to week, um, and now it's Giannis and LeBron, and then you have a huge gap to Doncic at plus three thousand, Harden at plus thirty three hundred. Um, I think everybody can agree it's down to a two horse race at this point. I still think these odds are spot on. You know, I, I, a lot of people, a lot of prominent NBA people, have argued that it, it should be closer in terms of you know LeBron chasing down Giannis. I I, I agree that he's made it a at least a debate i'm willing to have that debate but at the end of the day unless your case is you know narrative 100 percent over stats which i, I don't necessarily love uh, although that has prevailed in, in this award in the past I, I still think it's Giannis pretty comfortably like if the vote took place today i would expect Giannis to win with like i don't know at least two-thirds of the first place votes yeah i mean i uh i agree i mean i'm just it's there i'm surprised at the lack of like on court you know stats and narrative that gets thrown out like the maybe two days ago on the jump dave mcmenamin was on and his argument was that an impassioned argument an impassioned argument that lebron i think he was arguing that lebron should win the mvp because he's doing this at 35 years old Mm -hmm. so he gets a handicap because he's older yep and he has successfully and helped the team and the city navigate the death of Kobe. Bryant. I could not believe that he said that. I couldn't. And he's either. not the only one to do it, but the way, like, you could tell he was about to say it. I, and I'm watching, like, no, no, don't do it. And he kind of had this pause, like, I don't know if I truly believe this. And then he just <laughs> said it. And I think Rachel Nichols, like, doubled down. You know, like, that's a big narrative. And I mean, granted, those, they're based out of LA. Maybe, you know, maybe they've seen I'm sure. things that we haven't. I don't know. I, I just, you don't get credit for that in my book. No, you don't. You don't. And the, the, age, thing. the age thing, too. Like, it's not a it's not a lifetime achievement award, and I'm the biggest LeBron should have six MVPs guy that there is. But I, you know, like when the Derrick Rose year, for example, like the numbers were extremely comparable, and I think if anything, the the, the narrative was very much against LeBron at that time, just because of the move to Miami and you know public perception was at an all time low for him. Derrick Rose, the year he won the MVP, you know, averaged twenty five, seven and a half, four rebounds, forty four percent from the field, thirty three percent from three, like. A very good season, a surprisingly good season, but not a all-time, you know, I think it's top 10 in, in like, BPM uh, type of season that Giannis is having. Like, if they had virtually the same numbers, uh, I would be a lot more amiable to to voting for LeBron. But I think Giannis's numbers are so, so overwhelmingly better that, to me, even though LeBron maybe has the better narrative, he's gone through more off the court if you really want to weigh that. It's just not close enough numbers-wise for, for me to say that the gap is is as close as a lot of people think it is. I think um, – I can't remember who – I heard it on a podcast. I can't remember who said it, but someone kind of brought up that a good – that the, the way they like to measure MVP would be, did this player add 10 unexpected wins to a team? And um, going back to your – just thinking about that, going back to the Derrick Rose-LeBron case – the that season when Rose won MVP, the Bulls had an over under of forty six and a half. They won sixty two games. Mm-hmm. So I think in that case, Derrick Rose gets a lot of credit for single handedly doing that. Um, not single handedly, but like a, being a huge reason that they were able to do that. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Giannis, the Bucks over under this year was fifty seven, and they're going to win sixty seven games. Yeah. So, um, and I don't think the Lakers are going to win more ten ga- more than ten games um, over their expected. They could. Um, but you're, you're not, you know, 
they're over under yeah they're over under was 50 they have 49 wins so they'll actually probably be relatively the same but you can you can divide that credit more easily between lebron and ad nobody's like well you know yeah the, the classic is like oh Giannis has chris middleton nobody nobody says that you know um so i think Giannis's supporting cast is significantly better one through ten i think having anthony davis almost always having another top five player kind of cancels you out right we've seen that yeah with curry and durant we've seen it with to some degree lebron and wade at least in that first year um i mean it doesn't necessarily disqualify you but i i don't think the lebron has no help narrative really holds up i mean this is not the 2018 cavaliers no i mean i don't if you if if you want to make the argument that like if you if you had these guys switch teams that one would be way worse or one would be way better i don't think that holds up i think if you put lebron on the box yeah they would be about as good and i think if you put Giannis on the lakers they would be about as good i mean they would be insane defensively the lakers it, it would yeah. be unreal I, I almost think both teams would be slightly worse because they're so built around that specific player you know like the lakers without Giannis would be so like big man heavy you know like they would i think they would really miss yeah. lebron's like you know half court creation which right. Giannis is good at but he's not lebron in terms of a passer and i think the bucks you know would would miss out on some things as well having lebron you know i think i think their supporting cast maybe wouldn't be quite as good because it would be such a lebron dominant sure. offense and and it's it's a Giannis dominant offense but in a different way um but no i agree i, I think i mean no, I, i'm saying lebron is very firmly number two um i just think you you really kind of have to scratch and claw for arguments for lebron and and i think more than anything that just speaks to how dominant Giannis has been you know i think the only thing though that could really really truly close the gap is let's say Giannis ends up having a, a setback with his knee issue and misses like three weeks you know yeah. if he if he finishes the season with like 66 games played and lebron plays in like 78 you'll start to see that kind of become part of the argument um but as long as he's back in the lineup and the bucks kind of pick up where they left off and you know go like 18 and 2 the rest of the way which they probably should based on how they've how they fared with Giannis in the lineup this year I, I think it's kind of a done deal at that point yeah I mean you everyone you know everyone's like Le, talking about MVP everyone just brings up the LeBron stuff like I Giannis is so far ahead that people just have to only bring up LeBron because if you start putting the stats next to each other again it becomes obvious that Giannis is doing something crazy mm-hmm. kind of reminds me of like it's a, maybe a weird example but the Super Bowl this year where all the narrative and all the discussion was about the 49ers because everyone knew how good the mm-hmm. Chiefs were. And then the Chiefs ended, just ended up winning, even though everybody was talking about, well, maybe the 49ers can win this. And like, yeah, I don't know. Um, did Lakers Clippers, I mean, MVP talk aside, did that, did that game swing your opinion of either team? S- swung my opinion of Rondo and Avery Bradley pretty heavily. Ooh. Well, Avery Bradley was terrible last night. I can, I can personally yeah. attest to that um but that yeah i mean that was a great time to have easily his best offensive game of the season <laughs> rondo i mean i think somebody 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 actually timed it out and said it only took him like i want to say it was like 31 seconds of game time to become the number one trend on twitter in the u.s he was that bad like he <laughs> no, was he was horrible. he was so so bad that entire game I, just negatively impacting the game on both ends as much as possible i am a rondo defender for the most part rondo i have always liked rondo like since boston days i was like rondo amazing passer blah mm-hmm. blah blah continue to defend him that was Ooh. one of the worst games i've ever seen a point guard play in my life like the 22 minutes that he played were the shot I mean, he just 
that he was taking early yep. shots in the shot clock. He just was not feeling out the offense at all, like, which is very unrondo. Like, that's the thing. Which he has these, he has these lapses for being. Everybody talks about him as like the smartest player in the NBA, right. and it was just one of those games where you could just he just wasn't reading the game whatsoever. You know, LeBron had it going, AD had it going, Bradley had it going, and he's just like coming down and jacking up nineteen footers. You know, just playing lazy defense. He had a, a terrible foul on an and one in the second quarter. Um, he was he was awful. Luckily, Patrick Beverly and Lou Williams were equally bad for for the Clippers. How many times did Lou Williams pass up an open catch and shoot three to take one dribble and turn it into like a side runner? Um, he had a couple yeah. of those late in the game that that really killed them. And Patrick Beverly. Beverly. I mean, I, I I usually defend Patrick Beverly. I I think he's he's the ultimate. You know, if you if you're a Lakers fan, you hate him, but you love you love him if he was on your team type of guy. I, I would joke him. Noah was kind of always that guy for me as well. You know, when he was at in his heyday with the Bulls, like absolutely hated him as a Bucks fan back then. But if he was on the Bucks, you know, I, I'm I'm sure. I mean, every Bulls fan loves Joakim Noah. There's a reason for that. Yeah, except Joakim Noah was like really actually very good. Yeah, Patrick Beverly was I think a team worst minus 14, three turnovers, two points in that game. You would never guess it, though, by by how he was expressing himself. I guess we'll say against Avery Bradley. Yeah, I mean that the 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 problem is if you talk that much and you play bad, it I yeah. feel like it makes you seem like you're playing worse because you give off this like frustrated vibe. That oh yeah, it it made me question like is Patrick Beverly even really that good? Like I know he is, but like he was well, so bad. It's not that good. Yeah, I mean, well, him and Bradley going at it for a series is going to be awesome if we get that. Because every every Bradley had a few of those plays. I mean, it was pretty soft, the play he got teed up on. But what happened before that was he picked Patrick Beverly's pocket at midcourt, went down, finished a layup. And, you know, I mean, based in today's NBA, you're going to get a tee just for kind of staring at a guy after a basket like that. Um, but, Avery, I mean, Avery Bradley's not quite on the Beverly level in terms of his personality, but, I mean, he's willing to pick up a guy 94 feet yeah, just, I, just as much as Bradley is, or just I, as much as Beverly I I've been I haven't really had like a great like a strong opinion on Avery Bradley but and I feel like Patrick Beverly obviously gets has gotten and gets way more attention than him mm-hmm. but I'm starting to wonder like is Avery Bradley actually like a lot better than Patrick Beverly I don't know I, I don't know he has so. the bad shooting games and he's stuff been like good that, this year he's definitely been much better than anyone expected this year I mean when healthy he's been a, a starter every single night and I, I think we maybe underrated him defensively. He had some rough shooting seasons, you know, over the last couple of years, and you know, assuming it was kind of always banged up. But he's been he's been the perfect kind of tone setter, I think, for them defensively. And I mean, LeBron even last night against Brooklyn in, in a game that I think in the past that's like an easy LeBron just kind of takes a night off on D game. Like he was going hard on D all night. Their, their big men go hard. Danny Green goes hard. Avery Bradley like. They've very quietly, like I, I was the first one to question like all these, all these moves in free agency. You know, kind of bringing in guys like Bradley, who are all kind of considered a year or two maybe past their absolute peak. And they've, they found like they've quietly put together a roster that, even though it still has some pretty major question marks from like a sh- consistent shooting creation perspective, like every single one of those guys defends like crazy. That's true, and I mean they, the they basically shut down the Clippers in the half court. You know, like except for the putbacks, like my, Montrezl Harrell was all over the glass as he as he usually is. Um, just can't tongue of putbacks, and even Marcus Morris had six rebounds. He was zero for nine, but um, they just. I'm I'm looking at these stats right now. The uh, Clippers, <laughs> the Clippers averaged only eight point one points per half court play, which is horrible. Uh, 
Clippers or uh, Lakers are at one, basically mm-hmm. one point. So like. Um, bad shooting night for both teams and i, I think yeah. i think a lot of it was just good defense really I mean, no, it was, it was, it was yeah. an off night i mean but paul george i think paul george had four or five threes in that one i think he had like four in the first half like it wasn't like everybody was off i just think both teams were going going so hard defensively and that's what we're going to see like this could be you know i, I don't want to say like early 2000s like a pistons pacers type of series but like, it wouldn't surprise me if there are some games if this is the west finals that are like you know 101 98 96 92 type of games which for the modern nba is the equivalent of a game being in like the high 60s or the low 70s you know 10 years ago yeah paul george for a huge stretch of that game looked like the either the first or the second best player on the court i mean he he, 10 of 11 from the free throw line that was the main thing he was like really aggressive after we had seen him he's been dealing with the hamstring injury the minutes have not been you know as he's been like 29 minutes a lot of these games but he played 37 was super aggressive so i guess I think he had a better game than Kawhi. Kawhi was was just kind of yeah. I, w- I mean, I wouldn't say he got shut down by any means, but he he just kind of played it conservatively, picked his spots, but he he wasn't ultra aggressive really at any point. I mean, two rebounds, zero assists for Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think the narrative too was like LeBron was guarding him the entire game. That was not necessarily the case, but he guarded him more than he's ever been willing to in the past, and it at least showed that the effort and the ability to stay in front of him is there. Over the course of seven games, you know, we'll see. I, I think I would still pick the Clippers if, if that does end up being the West Finals. Yeah, it's so close for me. I've gone back and forth all season, mm-hmm. like between the Lakers and the Clippers, and I still, I still really can't. I still really don't know. today during the jeep celebration event right now get 20 percent below msrp for an average of 15,178 under msrp on the purchase of a 2023 jeep grand cherokee overland 4xe or summit 4xe not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers 15,178 average based on 20 percent below average msrp from all 2023 grand cherokee overland 4xe and summit 4xe models and dealer stock residency restrictions apply take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1 jeep is a registered trademark